Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. And this morning we're going to continue in this teaching series that's entitled, I Serve, Discover Your Purpose. Now, from the very beginning of this, as we think about our purpose, we so many times you know, come to points and places and times of life. Maybe they're big transition times. Maybe they're, they're crossroads that we come to. Uh, you think about your life and where your life has been. You think about where your life is headed. You think about some things that might be even coming to an end in your life pretty soon, a transition of season or time of your life, all the time. We, we are coming to these points, and many times we stop and we wonder, you know, Lord, are we really on the right track? Am I, am I on the right track for my life? Am I heading toward that which you really do have for me? A purpose. What is my dog on purpose on this planet. And we've asked the question, you know, is, is purpose something that you find? Is, is it up to you to, to go out and to go into the world and try to find your purpose? Almost like trying to find yourself, right? Have you ever heard someone say, you know, well, I need to go out and I need to take a time in my life, a, a season of my life, and I need to go find myself. I need to go find myself. Good friend of mine, great friend of mine, one of my mentors, he used to say this and would talk about, you know, finding yourself and the whole idea of finding your, yourself. He was one of those people in my life that really helped me to begin to see scripturally and spiritually my identity in Christ. And this is what he would so many times say. He would say, you know, if you don't know who you are and then you go out to try to find yourself, how will you know you have found yourself when you find yourself? If you don't know who you are, and then you go out and try to find yourself, then how will you know you have found yourself when you find yourself? And my goodness, he would just emphasize as a mentor in my life, time and time again, the importance of knowing who you are in Christ. That, that the most important thing internally and personally that you can ever arrive at is not what do people say about you, or even how you think or perceive yourself. But what's most important is, how does God see you? How does God perceive you? Because the truth is that God holds ultimate reality, and through His ultimate reality, we find ultimate truth. So in spite of what the world says about you, in spite of even what you may feel about yourself, the most important thing is, what does God say about you? Spend some time trying to identify and discover your identity in Christ, especially, especially, especially before you go out and try to find yourself. So is purpose something that you find? Is it something that finds you? We saw from the life of Jesus, it seemed to be that throughout his life, his purpose was something that he was growing into. That from his earliest years of growth 
and maturity in his life, he was growing into the purpose God had for him. Now, there is something that's really important about this discussion of purpose. And one of the great things that you can do in your life when you start thinking about, okay, purpose, what is my purpose? One thing that you can ask yourself is, what can I start doing with my time that really makes a difference? What can I start doing with my time that really makes a difference? Now, when you start down that road of thinking about what you can do with your time that really makes a difference, one of three things is going to happen. First of all, there may be some addition. And by the way, on the back of your bulletin today, you'll find a place, a teaching outline that you can follow with us and jot some stuff down. Uh, I know that if I write something down, I am more apt to remember it and retain it, right? So that's on the back of your bulletin today. One of the things that's going to happen is if I open myself up to God's purpose and what I can do with my time that really makes a difference is there's going to be some addition in my life. God may very well bring along an opportunity. There may be something that's already there, that's already there in front of me that I need to step into, that I've maybe been, I've been holding back. I've been resisting. Maybe there's an opportunity that I need to step into. This means that some addition is going to come into my life. I'm going to add or take on something in my life that's not there yet. The next thing that may have to happen is subtraction. That means identifying some things that are not really a great use of my time. Subtraction. Learning how to say no to some things may be the best thing you can do for you to really have a sense that you're fulfilling purpose in your life. Maybe we should practice this morning, just saying the word no. Someone might come along to you, might give you an opportunity, and it may not be a great use of your time or your purpose, but yet in your desire to please people, you have a hard time saying no. So let's just practice that right now on the count of three together. We're going to practice one, two, three. I said no, no, no. I just can't do that. Taking control of your life is really important. Does that not feel good this morning? Just to say, no. I'm sorry. I love you. I wish I could. But no. <laughs> Saying no. And then the third thing is this. Exchange. Not just addition or subtraction, but exchange. Because the reality is, we all have the same amount of time. Now, we may not have the same amount of years ahead of us, but on any given day, any given week, any given month, we all have the same amount of time. And our time is filled with something as it stands. So what may have to happen is some exchange. Exchanging some things for other things in our lives because we can't create more time with what we already have. Purpose. Finding purpose. Serving in 
the purpose for our lives. Last week, we came to the book of Ephesians. And in the book of Ephesians, we began to see and to realize that God actually gifts us for purpose. He gifts us for purpose. He gives us what we need to empower us, to prepare us, and to accomplish the purpose that He has for our lives. He, he gifts us for that purpose. And when we use the gifts, the spiritual gifts that He's given to us, we make a difference. God uses our lives to make a difference in this world and in the lives of other people. We saw this in Ephesians 4 last Sunday when we looked at the dynamic of the body of Christ. And the dynamic of the body of Christ is that He gives to, to each one gifts, and that when we all work and serve in our gifts, then it causes the body as a whole to, to benefit, and it causes other people to grow. This is what makes a difference in the world. Uh, we looked at the end of Ephesians 4, around verse 16, where he talks about, let's go to verse 15, where he talks about Paul speaking, and he talks about speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up. We are to grow up. Do you know anyone who needs to grow up? <laughs> we all need to grow up. Won't you just look at your neighbor right now and say, listen, you know what? I'm going to be the first one to admit right now. I need to grow up. No, don't you tell your neighbor you need to grow up. Don't you do that. Don't tell your neighbor you need to grow up. Admit to the person next to you and just say, I need, I, I do. I, I need to grow in the Lord. I, I need to grow up. There's more to learn about the heart of God and His ways than what, than what I know right now in my life. I'm a learner. I'm a seeker. I'm a student. I need to grow. I have enough humility in my life today that I can admit to you, I need to grow. And Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects into Him who is the head, Christ, the head of the church, even Christ, from whom the whole body, if you're in Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ. Doesn't matter where your particular name is on any particular membership role. When you give your life to Christ, you are spiritually implanted into the body of Christ. You are a part of the church, the body of Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, every part supplying, equipping, helping, and encouraging, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in what? The building up of itself in love. This is truly a, a love affair that we have with the Lord Jesus that we have with the body of Christ, that we have with one another. We love one another enough that when we use our gifts, God moves and works and flows through us into the life of another, and He encourages and helps other people to grow. 
Where would you be today if it were not be for how God used other people in your life? Oh my goodness, I can think back in time. When I was about 18 years of age, and I needed a change in my life. I really did. I needed a change in my life. I needed to make some decisions from a church perspective, a spiritual perspective. You know, this purpose thing of, of my life was something that was kind of tracking me down. I didn't realize that I was moving toward it, but in many days I felt like it was running from behind me trying to track me down. And I knew at, at a somewhat of an early age that God had something specific for my life. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but it was something that seemed to be tracking me down in my life. And when I was about 18, I decided to, to make some changes. And, and I wasn't necessarily walking with God at that point in time. I, I didn't necessarily really know how to pursue Him or even how to study. I just knew I needed a change. So we made a change, and, and I, I began to go to another church. And there were some people in that church that I just connected with. They were a little bit older than me. They were about my parents' age. But for some reason, they could speak into my life in ways that other people could. I just connected with them, identified with them. Even today, even today, uh, when I did make that decision to, to give myself over to God's purpose for my life, there were some people who were there at that day, in that moment, January the 3rd, 1993, who are with us even right now today. They saw me in a broken, slobbering, bawling mess, giving my life to God's purpose for me. But there are some people there who were around me at that time. And I believe that they really began to exercise into my life the principle that you find in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And I want you to look at this because we saw the end result. We saw that the intent is to grow, to grow each other, to make a difference in the lives of other people and in this world. That when we fulfill our God's purpose through our gifting, other people are going to grow. So Ephesians 4.11, I think, really speaks to that. Again, look at that with me. He gave some as apostles some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. He's equipped individuals with these particular gifts. For, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry. Not that they, those individuals, would do the work of service and ministry completely in of themselves, but they would equip others, encourage others, help others to grow so that others can be a part of ministry and service to fulfill God's plan and purpose for their lives. And that happens, according to Scripture, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and all that other stuff that we talked about a few minutes ago. But here's the thing. In my life, at that point, there was people around me who invested in my life. If you are going to, to have the same opportunity, okay, you've been gifted. God's given things to you that you are going to share and encourage others in. You have to be this. And you can write this down. It's a very key word for today's teaching. You have to be available. You have to be available. 
You have to be available. You have to be available to other people. To spend time with them. To invest in them. Again, remember this comes back to saying no to some things. Adding this to my life. Subtracting some other things. You cannot make a difference in somebody's life if you're not available. You must be available. These people were available to me. I can remember there was one good friend of mine. Any point in time, I could go to his office. Anything I was dealing with, I'd go to his office. I would sit down. He'd say, Alan, what's troubling you? Sit down here. And I would share with him. He'd speak into my life. Or there were many times he would say, he would say, hey, come over to the office today. I want to show you something I've seen in Scripture this morning. This, this is blowing my mind. This is really neat stuff. Come over here. I want to show you something. And I'd go over there. He'd ask me a few questions, reveal my own ignorance, and I'd be like, duh. And then the next thing you know, he's sharing from Scripture a lot of neat stuff and speaking that into my life. But you've got to be available. If your life is happening at such a rapid speed and pace, that you can't be available. Something needs to change. But there's the other side of the same coin. And that's trust. Second key word today I want you to, to write down and not forget is not just available and being available, but it's trust. Trust. Say, say, say that with me. Trust. I must be willing to trust other people. Is that hard for any of you to do? Maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, it's hard for me to trust because I've, I've been burned by people in my life. But I can honestly tell you, when you're operating at a vantage point of distrust, it's miserable. It's miserable. I mean, the enemy starts speaking into your heart, into your mind, all kinds of junk and stuff. You got to take everything on yourself. You find yourself just spent of your energy. You become pessimistic. You become negative. Critical. Condescending. I mean, it just, right, it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. When you're operating from a vantage point of distrust. Some decisions came up even this week, and not in regards to building relocation, but regards to ministry. And I'm just so thankful, so thankful for the team of people in leadership roles that are in, in the body of Christ here at First Missionary because I was able to communicate to them I don't have all the answers, but here's the deal. I trust Jesus in you. And when there's a track record, a track record of people who have sought the heart of God, they have, uh, uh, they've allowed truth to come into their life, they've grown in Christ, they've been able to build credibility, and they're seeking the heart of God. doesn't mean they're perfect. doesn't mean they're perfect. But when you know at the end of the day they're going to seek the Lord and the Spirit of God, those are the people you can trust. And it's liberating 
It's so encouraging to be able to say to other people, you know what? I don't have all the answers, but I trust Jesus in you. I'm not saying I trust you in and of yourself. But I'm saying I trust Jesus in you. That at the end of the day, I believe that you will pray through, that you'll seek the heart of God, that even times you might get it wrong, but if you do, you will at least be humble enough to say, I got it wrong. But you will stay the course. I trust Jesus in you. Last week we began to see and to, to realize that this is really God's plan through the new covenant of grace. That God would step out of that handmade temple and he would step into the people of God, that he would step into us and that instead of a physical handmade temple where people experience the empowering presence of God in the spirit, the empowering presence of God and his spirit resides in people, people, not handmade temple. So that wherever the spirit of God goes and moves the world through our lives, that's where others get to encounter the empowering presence of God. In other words, you're not just speaking encouragement into the life of another, but as God uses you, He speaks Himself into the life of others through you. That they don't have to go to this place, or to that place, or to that handmade dwelling place to find God. But God is sincerely on the loose and he's on the loose through us. This is a part of God's plan in the new covenant from the beginning. Now, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures on this today. Because so many times we can still get caught up in the old way of thinking under the old covenant. And man, we can really mess this thing up. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel. This is one of the first, not one of the first promises, but this is a a promise of the new covenant through the prophet Ezekiel. He said in verse 26, Ezekiel 36, 26, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Look at this in verse 27. He doesn't say, I will put my spirit in a new handmade temple. He says, I'll put my spirit in you. Now somebody might say, well, he said this to Israel, right? This is specifically to Israel, but please keep in mind this important principle. The new covenant, although it was given specifically to Israel, would be a blessing to all Gentiles through Israel. Let me say that again. Although the prophet speaks directly to Israel at this point, the blessing of the new covenant, though spoken to Israel, would be something that all people, Gentiles, 
would experience through Israel. Namely, through the Messiah, speaking of a new way to come. And the new way is this, that at this point in time, because of the cross of Jesus, God does business with man on the basis of grace, not on the basis of law. He does business with man today on the basis of grace, not the basis of law. And it's not a mixture of law and grace. It is grace alone. I shared with you last week the little cassette player and how the little cassette tape, rather, is kind of a picture of obsolete technology, right? That even in 2011, in the Oxford Concise English Dictionary, they omitted the word cassette player. The reason they omitted the word cassette player is because the cassette is now obsolete what? It is obsolete technology. In the early 90s, the CD came along. Y'all remember the CD came along? And man, sales of cassettes and cassette players started dropping dramatically. There's a new technology now. It's a new way. It is a better way. The old way is obsolete. However, for many of us who grew up with a mixture of the old and the new. For some of us, it's like having those old memories, say, on a high eight cassette player that you'd put in your, your Sony camcorder. I told you that in my closet today, right now, are stacks, I mean stacks, of the high eight cassettes that went into our Sony camcorder. And I mean that, like when the kids were born... I'm there, I mean, not there, okay, I'm not there, but I'm there, you know, and, and I'm videoing, and take those and store them, I mean, the kids start walking, man, I'm right there, videoing, I mean, you, I mean, we don't video nothing these days, but you know what I'm saying, but back then, I mean, you wanted to capture every moment, right, but it's on old technology, what I really need to do is take those and have them converted to new technologies that we can use them. For some of us growing up with a mixture of the old covenant and the new covenant of law and grace together, it's like we have a lot of these memories on these old cassettes. And I can tell you right now, if somebody came to my house and went into my closet and started messing with all those cassettes and all those memories, I would get upset. I'd get a little irritated. It's the same way for many of us who grew up with the old way or a mixture of the old way. Somebody starts saying, well, you know what? That may not be right. That's the old way, but it's not the new way. That's law, but it's not grace. That's a conditional covenant. Now we live under an unconditional covenant. The old died and went away. The new has come with Jesus. But for some people to go back and, and to mess with the old way or those old memories, I mean, some people get upset, they get angry. We just need to convert some of those. Pull them over. Put them under grace. And some things that we grew up and we believed about God and about religion, some of us need to let go. We need to let it go. There's a statement that was made about Paul. 
It's around Acts chapter 8. Probably about verse 1. This is not a scripture I gave today. But Acts chapter 8, around verse 1, this was after Stephen's message in Acts chapter 7, where he lays out for the Jewish council God's redemptive history through Israel leading all the way up to Jesus. And if you'll remember, when Stephen gets to the end of that message, Stephen says, as they begin to stone him and to kill him, he looks up and he says, I see the Son of Man at the right hand of God, and they wanted to kill him even more. And then in chapter 8 of verse 1, the Scripture says that Saul, Approved of putting him to death. Saul consented to having Stephen killed. Saul himself at that time, he believed. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He believed that what he was doing was right. I mean, he thought that he was honoring God by his strict adherence to the law. To the point that he had Christians killed, persecuted, seeking them out. In fact, on his way to Antioch, still believing he was doing everything that was right under the name of God, to honor God, to be devout, to be religious. He's on his way to Antioch and he meets the Lord Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. And there... He embraced the new covenant of grace. And from then on out, wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, book of Romans, book of Galatians. I mean, he was a part of that whole Jerusalem Council thing in Acts chapter 15 when the question came up of what do we need to expect of these new Gentile converts to Christianity? And not one single time did he say, you know what, guys? We need to bring the old over with the new and we need to mix them together. Why? Because Jesus was enough. And what Jesus did was enough. But yet a man there at that point in time so convinced it was a certain way He changed because he had an encounter with Jesus that never left him the same. Jeremiah said the same thing, gang. It's in Jeremiah chapter 31. He said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Notice what he says here. I will put my law within them. He does not say I'll put those laws in them. Not the 613 individual commands under the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant. He says, I'll put my law, my principle, I will put within them, and on their heart I will write it, 
I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now watch this part next. They will not teach again each man his neighbor, each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will do this, I will do this. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Up to that point in time, even through the law, the sacrifice of sin was a continual thing that had to be repeated over and over and over again. That's the old way. The new way is Christ once and for all has forgiven us. And I'm telling you, Christ once and for all has filled us to be his people to make a difference in this world. And it takes every one of us using our gifts under grace for God to flow his spirit through and to make a difference in the life of another. I remember as a kid when the circus came to town. Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. I mean, that was unreal for me as a little kid. They did it under a, a big old tent. Y'all remember the big tent? And we came there, and what did we come there for? We came there for the show, right? To see everything that was happening in the tent. There was a, the ringmaster, and remember the elephants coming through, and the tigers jumping through the hoops, and all the people on the trapeze, and all this stuff. And I remember as a little bitty kid standing there amazed and in awe at the talent in the show of the circus. I remember the circus was over and we started walking around outside and I noticed that the tent, on each end of the tent, had these big, long, big, thick rope. And it was tied to a stake at the ground and there was a group of men and workers who came early and they took those big old long stakes and they would take sledgehammers and drive them into the ground and they would pull that tent over and run the rope down. It took, it took all of those guys from the people driving the stakes in the ground to secure the tent to the people who did the concessions to the people who did the show on the inside. I mean, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. It takes every one pulling together using their gifts for this thing to happen. And you, you have a God-given purpose. And I believe with all my heart that you being here today is a part of God revealing His purpose to you. Maybe you growing into that purpose. Listen, the other night, and I'll we'll shut up in just a second. The other night, Friday night, walking the sideline, Owensboro Apollo, pouring damp rain. My socks were wet. I was cold. But I found myself walking with a kid on our team. And on the night before, as a senior, man, his season did not end the way he had hoped. 
probably didn't even end as as it should have in my estimation based on talent and and I just think our teams are awesome. And part of the pregame speech that I gave to encourage our team, I said, here sits a guy right here who can tell you that when it doesn't go the way you thought it should go, it really stinks. And we were walking across the field after that, and he looked to me and he said, you're right, Alan. He said, it really does stink. I said, and that's why there needs to be something bigger and more important going on in your life in sports. Say God's got something for you that will never be defined out here. Because one day it will come to an end. And it does stink. And this is important. And it's growing you. It's helping you. This is important. But there needs to be something going on in your life that's much bigger than what you're doing out here. Because when it ends, if you don't have something bigger than that going on in your life, you're going to think your world just ended. And I'm here to tell you and to encourage you, maybe for this moment right now, I might be the only one who's speaking to you right now telling you there needs to be something bigger going on in your life. And I'm sorry. I agree with you. It stinks. But there's so much more. God has a plan. And He's growing toward that today. You're not here by accident. And His plan is to use your life to make a difference in the life of another. So the last question is this. Finding purpose is so much more than answering the question, what am I good at? So much more than that. It answers the question, write this down, what am I equipped and empowered by the Spirit to do that helps others to grow in their faith? What am I equipped and empowered by the Spirit to do that helps others to grow in their faith? So much more than what am I good at? What am I equipped and empowered by the Spirit to do that will help others to grow in their faith? stand with us this morning. Father God, we thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.